Happy Sabbath. Morning. I said, Happy, Happy Sabbath. This is the day that the Lord has made, and let us rejoice and be glad in it this morning. Let us stand as we usher in the Holy Spirit this morning as we sing our song, Sabbath Rest. Let's all sing it together. We set our work aside. We set our work aside. Yeah, we leave our cares behind.
Simon at Lighthouse and our First Lady. We want to lift him up in prayer. And I'm looking out here and I see Sister Alvina's daughter, Sister jo Jordan. Amen. And her friend Siki. Amen. Praise the Lord. We want to welcome you. You're a visitor but once. And now you're considered one other family. Praise God. We pray that your worship experience will be a, a beautiful one today and you will Rush to come back. Amen. 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 You may be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. You know, next Sabbath is our annual camp meeting, which is held in Kansas City, Missouri. And we know that some are going to camp meeting this year. Amen. Amen. It's not going to be a whole 10 days. It's just going to be Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And on that Sunday, they're going to have the Family Olympics. Amen. I remember back when, <laughs> Elder Carol. <laughs> Yesteryear. Yes. Amen. But we still want to keep hope alive. And we want to cheer, cheer you guys on as you go on. I want to just thank all of you for your love and support. Our family want to thank you as we uh, memorialized our dad last week. Yeah. And we just had the outpouring of love. It's a beautiful thing to see the support, the family of everybody supporting us as we went through that time of bereavement. The song says, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. But we don't have to wait till we get to heaven. We can rejoice right now in the blessed hope. So I thank God for his precious promises. Now, on the 17th, we're going to have our town hall meeting. That's week after next. 
That's going to be the Berean Seventh-day Adventist Church. Amen? Amen. 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 So mark your calendars. And today, um, reason you don't see the Wellingtons here, Kennedy is graduating today. Okay. Amen. Okay. Amen. And who else? Kaya later. And Kaya later on and this. Brenda's and Brenda's granddaughter. <laughs> Praise the Lord. A lot of graduates on today. And Jalen graduated last week. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And Jordan. Now, do we have any birthdays in the month of June? Yes, any birthdays? Do. Anybody celebrating yes. a birthday in June? <laughs> Beverly. Grayson. The Carols. Amen. Praise the Lord. Brother Mike. Carmelie. Amen. A lot of June, June babies. Praise the Lord. Well, let's sing our happy birthday song. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Anniversaries. Are there any anniversaries? The McCrays. Amen. Amen. They've been celebrating 20 years. Now he looks almost too young to have 20 years on his belt. That's the goodness of God. Praise the Lord. I want to continue to pray for the McCray family. Amen. Because a family that prays together, what do they do? They stay together. That's the secret sauce. Amen. Amen. This time we will continue in our worship service. Come on and stand to your feet this morning. Were you there?
You may be seated. Blessed song, amen. Amen. Knowing God is all powerful, so sovereign, and He still have us on His mind. What do you say? Glad about it. Yes, sir. That's the reason why we come. We come to give thanks and give Him what He deserves: His praise, His glory, because He's continually having us on His mind. Man, I tell you, that's a beautiful thing. To know that somebody cares and somebody is thinking about you so much that he has a divine plan, that he has a divine blueprint, and you and I are a part of that. So we just want people to know at home, sitting at home, on looking online, that you are a part of God's plan. And right now, at this time, I want you to be a part of a together plan for the church where we come together in prayer, linking up, connecting with the spirit of the living God, letting him know that we need some help. And as a matter of fact, also letting God know that we are available for him. Amen. So when these things come together, powerful things can happen in our lives and people can understand that God is real. What do you say? Come on down with me. Come on down with me. I want to pray for your families. I want to pray for you. I want to strengthen you where you're weak. I want to empower you today. You're going to leave out her understanding that what you feel is not just an emotional thing. It's the presence of God activating in your life. And then you'll take that and share that with others so they too can connect with God. Amen. understand the heart of men but God we just want to give you a praise of thanks right now because if it wasn't for you on our side where would we be when we look back on our life we see that you have been journeying with us all along for that we say thank you even right now in our present state oh God where there's Diseases and famine is all over the land and crime is at an all-time high and we still have food on our tables. We still have shelter to, uh, for us to live up on a roof over our head. We still have our families intact. Even our health may be failing us, but we still understand that you are with us. And for that we say thank you. We have hard times on our jobs and they don't pay us enough money. We have to even return back to you and you stretch forth your 
hand to stretch forth our finances week after week, month after month. We don't go for nothing and we say thank you for that. We don't take our life for granted. You don't have to protect us on highways and byways when danger seems right there next to us and cars are swerving and turning over and having accidents. For that, God, for your protection, we say thank you. Lord, sometimes in our spirit, we are troubled on every side. Sometimes in our mind, Lord, we even have evil thoughts. Sometimes our deeds and our action is not like Christ himself. And you still forgive us and you still forgive us and you still forgive us day in, day out. For that, God, we just say thank you. Lord, sometimes in our lives we get distracted. We get discouraged. We even get influenced by Satan himself. And we don't even come to you for help. We ask God to allow our minds be regulated. Let our hearts, oh God, be pure and pierced by your spirit. Let our overall makeup, Lord, be like you so somebody can see that you are real in our lives. And even though we go through things, it is the evidence that we are on the right side. So we ask that you take these hardship moments and we ask you, Lord, to dress us up and help us develop to be like you where our characters can be seen as something that's loving and pure kind and godly meek and lovely God I pray that your spirit oh God fall afresh on all of us today for those who's watching online visitors here in the sanctuary allow them to have a holy spirit feel good time in you today so when they leave this place, they can say it is good to worship the true and living God. That there's others of God who are depressed and their health is failing them. There's others who's worried about their finances. There's others whose spouses of God who has been attacked by the enemy. And we don't know who to call on but you. Some things is just beyond human reach. Doctors can't really diagnose certain things and can't even solve it. So that's why we come to you, the solving problem. We, we, we come to you because you are the God of our salvation. We come to you because you are the Savior of our life. We come to you because you are the Lord of Lords and the Kings of Kings. We come to you because you're the Almighty of the universe. We come to you because your name is majestic and your power is everlasting. We come to you because you said, look to the hills from which cometh thy help. So we come to you right now. Not because we're worthy, but because we need your help. So now, God, we activate in our faith right now, this moment, believing that what is being said right now, that you have recorded in the book of records in heaven, and that help is on the way. So now, God, we ask now that you will look down on your manservant, Elder Lee Carroll. You know what task that you have given him this day. And we ask that, God, that you will open up his brain and pour the wisdom 
from the library of heaven in him and allow him to speak candidly to your people that we can receive the Sabbath blessing that you designed this day. We ask you to give him extra wisdom, oh God, so he'll know that it's some for himself and from his wife and for his family as well. So all of us can know and feel and realize that you are truly in charge. So let the words now, God, of our mouth and the meditation of our heart truly be acceptable in our sight. Inhabit our praise, and as a result, we ask you to pour down the blessing that we stand in the need of, that we can survive until the next time we give a testimony in the beauty of your holiness. This is our prayer in Jesus' name that the church say, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Looks like these flowers are growing over here. <laughs> okay, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Uh, when I woke up this morning, I looked on the, on, I, um, on the text messages, and I found all bad news. You know, I found that one of our church members' family is in the hospital, a very serious condition. Uh, another family member, a person's family member, is also very sick. Um, there are people who are passing on and waiting for Jesus to come. Yeah. And so we know that in spite of all these things, we have a lot to be thankful for, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Even those who are in the midst of these stormy, these fiery storms, not storms of water, but fire, they too can see something glorious and wonderful in the workings of God. Maybe it's their loved ones is coming to Christ. There's more prayer in their lives. Maybe that they are becoming more submissive and willing to hear from you about the Lord. Maybe they're accepting prayer now. Maybe they're participating in prayer. So that we look, you have to look for it. You have to look for the blessings. They're all around us, but we have to look for them. Amen. So in spite of this, I want all of us Collectively, because there's someone out there who doesn't have our support system. Uh -huh. They don't have a text message in the morning that says, pray for so-and-so and so. They don't even have anyone to pray for them. But we want them to know that God is good. All the time. All the time. God is good. He is so worthy to be praised. In spite of all the bad that's going on, there is so much good. And it's hard sometimes to cast your eyes upon the good. But I'm asking everybody today to find something good in your life. Because if you don't, depression is at the back door. Anxiety is knocking at your heart. Deceitfulness and anger is feeling you. If you don't have something good in that spot, believe me, something bad will plant itself right there in the middle of your heart. And it's hard to break out of that. A little bit of house cleaning. So we've gotten um, our ink pens are completed. Our, our pencils are done. And then we already had, I forgot what this was, and um, notebooks 
are there. We'd like to give more notebooks, so if you want to, you can give us more notebooks. But we have what we need. Yes, yes, yes. Now, we are going to put in the uh, backpack some tracks. We have those. We want to put a little puzzle book in the backpack. We have those. It is just coming together. God is really, really blessing. And I said it. Tabernacle praise will rise to the occasion all the time. They're going to do what they do. And we have people in our midst who are doing extra, going beyond what they need to do. And we just want to say thank you so much. We appreciate it so much. Now, a little, little bit more. This is, not, this is not easy. It's a message, but it's not easy. Remember I said to everybody, you want to do better. You want to improve this year. Y'all thought I forgot about it. I haven't mentioned it because I trust that everybody is doing their part to be better this year in whatever state, whether it's your diet, whether you're using your time better, whether you're doing returning tithe and offerings more, more um, consistent. We want you to do it consistent all the time. Or whether you're just being kinder to those you live with. We're improving, right? All right, so there's a story in the Bible that talks about this. It's a parable of the, of the talents. So God, I mean, well, the, the uh, owner gave his workers, he gave one 10 talents, Another one had five talents, and then one had one talent. Well, y'all know the ten talents took it and ran with it. And he, got, he came back with ten more talents. That's the type of person I want. Right, right. That's what I want. Then another one had five talents, and he came back with ten talents, right? But the one who had one talent didn't. He didn't. And he was, you know, like, you're a hard taskmaster, made an excuse, number one, an excuse. And I thought, you know, that, so I just buried it in the ground. I didn't use it. I knew you gave it to me, but I didn't use the talent you gave me, right? And then the Lord said, well, you knew. His master said, you knew I was a hard taskmaster. You knew that. And you know I'm not playing with you. I'm, I, I might smile, but I'm not playing with you. I meant what I said. God means what he says. So give me that one. I'm going to even take that one from you. I thought about this. And as we seek to do better with the talents that God has given us, search your hearts. If you have not made any movement towards a better life, you have to start asking questions. What happened that I didn't do anything? What happened? Am I, am I um, uh, hindered in by procrastination, which underneath that is fear? Am I afraid to step out there? You know, that was a reason God gave the first man 10 talents. He saw that gumption, that boldness, I'm going to go do it attitude so he gave him more and the person was five standing on you know he knew it was going to take him longer to double it so he gave him five he needs his money to turn quickly and the one person well i'm just going to test you i'm just going to 
You know, I already know. But I'm just going to give you an opportunity. Because I know you're going to moan if I say I didn't have an opportunity. I know you don't know yourself, so I'm going to prove it to you. Listen, we all have talents. Every last one of us. And if your life is miserable and you're not happy, might it be that you're not fulfilling the task that God has given you? Are you standing back afraid, procrastinating, putting off, unwilling as you watch others move on, move ahead, and do? Help us, Father. Help all of us this week take a step. I don't care if it's you talk to Dr. Google, Mr. Google, whoever, about your field. Just looking it up may inspire you to take that next step. All right, we're going to give everybody a chance to really be blessed because there's a promise that comes with returning your tithe and offering that I will open the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing so much that you cannot receive it, that you cannot receive it. And if you ever had that, I heard people say, I got so much stuff in my house. The blessings of God has overwhelmed you. You can't do anything but give it away. It's so much. So will the deacons come forward? And we're going to give everybody a chance to just praise the Lord and to receive a blessing so much you cannot receive it. Most honorable Father, in the blessed name of Jesus, how grateful we are for the opportunity and the ability to return to you what you have already given to us, dear Lord. We just praise your holy name. We ask that these funds will return from a, a secular use into a sacred use so that many people, many, no matter what we get, will be saved as a result of the sacrifices that are given today. In the name of Jesus, we pray and praise you always. Amen.
Oh! 
beautiful song. So happy to see everybody. Happy to see everybody's smiling face and that was the appropriate song, right? His mercy endureth forever. Is anybody happy to have God's mercy this morning? Thank you, choir. That was beautiful. His mercy endureth forever. And I can tell you for a fact, his mercy endureth forever because I see you all here today. You made it safely, especially, especially with the way people drive today. You know, it's a blessing to get here in one piece. And in fact, in fact, I had heard where the police stopped this uh, senior citizen, older lady out on Highway 25, Gravoy, right? And they pulled her over because she's going too slow. He said, ma'am, are you okay? What's wrong? You and your passengers are just going 25 miles an hour. And she said, well, that's the speed limit. He said, that's not the speed limit. That's the highway sign. And then he noticed her passengers, and he said, what's wrong with your passengers? They looking all shocked and scared and terrified. She said, oh, we just got off Highway 95. <laughs> Praise the Lord, y'all made it here safely. Ain't no telling who's out there on the highway, right? Good. God is so good. Just want to thank him again for an opportunity to bring the word. And you know, it's important that whenever you have a privilege, which it is, and an honor to speak the truth of God's word, you don't just give your opinion. You go from the word of God. Because nobody came here to hear me. <laughs> just being honest, y'all didn't come to hear me. You came to hear a word from the Lord, right? So we have a message today from God. Let us pray and ask his blessing upon us. Dear Lord, we thank you once again for the privilege to give a word. We thank you for everyone here. We ask that your Holy Spirit would lead and guide us and direct us, open our minds and our hearts to receive the word from the Lord. In your blessed name, Jesus, amen and thank you. Uh, please stand with me as we read our scripture. It's going to be Revelation 1.11. Revelation, the last book of the Bible, Revelation 1.11. And we can read this all together. 
saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, it's interesting that if you mention the church of Laodicea, which that's our title today, the church of Laodicea, Laoda what? No, that's the title. <laughs> the church of Laodicea, Laodi what? Because if you mention Laodicea, that's the answer you're going to get. Laoda what? What's he talking about? Because you don't hear sermons about Laodicea. You can count on one hand how many times you even heard the word Laodicea. Many church members have never heard of it. Has anybody here never heard of Laodicea? People haven't heard of that, especially people that are not familiar with the message of the last days of, uh, that Revelation speaks about. And there, are actual, there were actually cities and still exist in Turkey, the country of Turkey, with all of those names that we just read in the scripture. And in fact, John wrote the book of Revelation when he was on the Isle of Patmos, which is on the western coast of Turkey. So they all related right there in that area. These are cities. And in Colossians 4.13, Luke writes, uh, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Salute the brethren which are in Laodicea, that city, and Nymphus in the church in his house. And when the epistle or letter is read among you, cause it to be read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you likewise read the letter from Laodicea. So they actually were churches in those cities, and they would write letters back and forth to each other. But in the verse that we read, Jesus is not referring to those particular cities. Because this is a prophetic message which is talking about the ages that the church will go through in history. It's very important to recognize that God is always letting us know what the future holds because he wants us to be ready. He doesn't want these times to come upon us and anyone be caught unawares. And each of those cities has a certain attribute that Christ mentioned. For example, Ephesus means desirable. Smyrna means it's the persecuted church. Uh, and then it's the loveless church. Pergamos means the tolerant church. Thyatira is the compromising church. Sardis is the nominal church, which means just a form of a church or church in name only, but it's dead actually. And we know Philadelphia comes from the word for brotherly love. But that last church, Laodicea, means the judging of the people, and that's the arrogant, self-sufficient church. That's the age of the church that we, right here, are living in today. This age of the church is called Laodicea. If you pay attention to history, all those other time periods in the church have occurred. There was persecution in the church. There was the original ch church of the true love of Jesus Christ and so on and so forth. To now, here we are in the church of Laodicea. And Jesus says to us in Revelation 3.14, To the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, 
These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works. Nobody's fooling God, right? He already knows our works. And he says, you're not hot or cold. You're lukewarm. As a church family, as a Christian, you are lukewarm. And the Lord says, because you're lukewarm, I'm just going to vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I'm rich. I'm increased with goods. I don't have a need of nothing. But you don't recognize that you're poor, wretched, naked, and blind. And he says, I'm counseling you to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that you may be rich and have white raiment and be clothed, and that your nakedness does not appear, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may truly see. And then he adds, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Why in the world is Jesus saying these things about his church? Why is he talking this, this, uh, saying these things about the church? Isn't the church the apple of Jesus' eye? Doesn't he say that the church is going to be victorious over the devil? Don't the scriptures tell us that the church will prevail through all things? So why is Jesus dissing the church? Why is he talking about the church? But before I answer you, let me just remind you, the truth hurts. The truth really hurts, you know. The Bible says in Hebrews that the word of God is like a two-edged sword. That means the sword is sharp on both sides. You can cut this way with it, and then you can cut back that way with it. And the scriptures are like that. It might hurt your feelings to hear the truth, to read the truth about yourself, but then it also heals. So that after you've been cut, so to speak, by the truth, then you have that opportunity where the Lord can heal you. And let's just admit it, nobody likes hearing the truth about themselves. If somebody come up to you and tell you the truth, well, that's when the fight starts. Because first of all, I didn't ask you your opinion of me. I didn't want to hear the truth. That's why I'm hiding the truth, because I don't want to face it. And then here you come, just going to front me with it. So what am I supposed to do? But then if you hear the truth, if you think about it, and you're honest with yourself and admit, maybe I can change. Maybe I do need to change. If we can just wrap our minds around what, what is being said, instead of how it's being said or who's saying it, then we can grow as people. We can grow as individuals. We can grow as Christians. And that's why Jesus said, the ones that I love, I rebuke and chasten, or I correct and get them straight on the right path. And let me tell you, this, this message is not focused on nobody in here. <laughs> Not focused on any one person because it's a worldwide message for everybody who calls themselves a Christian. In this city, in this church, around the globe, wherever you're at, if you call yourself a Christian, this message is for you because we have been called to be Christ's witnesses, right? We're called to be ambassadors for him, right? 
We're called to exemplify the love of Christ through our lifestyle and through our character and personality, right? Now, the truth is the church in this time period, the Laodicean time period, has grown lukewarm and almost useless. That's a sad thing to say about the church. Useless? Come on, we got to be doing something right. I didn't say it, the Lord said it. So if you're going to get mad, get mad at him. This is the, the period of Laodiceans where many Christians, many people who call themselves Christians, never say a word about the Lord. Don't mention God to their friends. Don't mention God to their family. Don't tell anybody how good God is. Don't want to share the testimony of how God has blessed them. Don't want to tell the grace and the blessings that God has given them. Just Laodicean about the whole thing. Religion to some people is just a form. I grew up in church, so I'm still in church. Nothing personal. It's not in me. A lot of people are in church, but church ain't in them. Because it's just a form of godliness. It's not that true feeling of love that we had when we first met Christ. Do you remember when you first accepted Jesus? How active you were? How interested you were? How you was telling so many of your friends they got sick of you? My friends didn't want to be around me. It was just that important to me to let them know how good God is. The, but the selfish focus nowadays is on wealth, material goods. He who dies with the most toys wins. That's how people think. And that's how, unfortunately, Christians think. But in this prophecy, Jesus offers up us a wake-up call to get back on the right track of what he expects us to do. He wants that initial relationship that we all had. He doesn't want this Laodicean relationship where I just show up but not show out. He wants that love that we first had. And when that relationship is truly kindled in our lives, then it will put the church back on its God-given mission. But the truth is, unless the members of the church are vigilant and active, will be overcome by Satan's devices. It's just the way it is. None of us by ourselves is smarter than Satan. None of us by ourselves can outwit Satan. All of us by ourselves will be fooled by Satan's tricks. We read this morning in Sabbath school that even if it were possible, the very elect would be fooled. Very elect is those who study God's word, those who know God's word, those who have his Holy Spirit within them. The rest of the people are in a heap of trouble because the devil is wise, and he's much wiser than we are, and we have to stay in tune with God. What does this verse say? An idle mind is the devil's workshop. If you're not filling your mind with God, the devil's filling it up with whatever else he wants to fill it with. And he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. If you've ever watched these uh, nature programs, the roaring lion, he don't always just jump right on you, does he? He kind of sneaks around, 
hide behind the bushes, stays low by the watering hole where he knows you're going to go. And then when you least expect it, he jumps out. And that's how Satan is. He knows where you're going to be at. He hangs out at your favorite place. He's right there with your favorite people. He's laying low in the cut, waiting for you to slip. And then he jumps out on you. And not being prepared, not being in tune with God, you are so easy, it's like taking candy from a baby. If our mind is not made up and focused on God's will, the devil's going to fill it with a bunch of trash and evilness and foolishness and, and uh, filth. All of us in here are different. So what he can get you with, he can't get me with. What he can get me with, he don't get you with. But we're all vulnerable. We all come from different backgrounds, different uh, hereditary tendencies, different likes and dislikes, different personalities, different characters. And among all of us, and again, this is worldwide, among everybody on this planet, there are just some people who are slackers. It's just some people who don't care. It's just some people who are lazy. It's just some people who ain't going to help no matter what you ask them to do. That's just how some people are. And they even feel that to, be, to do things decently and in order, eh, ain't nobody got to do all that. Why? Why do we need to care about all this? Well, let me tell you this, that God is not going to lower himself to our low standards. He still keeps the standards high, and he expects us, his witnesses, to reach those standards. Would he tell us to be perfect if we couldn't do it? Would he ask us to be out and about doing his will if we couldn't do it? Would he ask you to witness to certain people if you couldn't do it? Everything God asks us to do, he gives us the power to do it. We don't even have to be trained to do it. Because you already have talents. You already have skills. He's already given everybody in here a talent, a skill, an ability. And he wants us to use it for his glorification. So when God says to you, go do this. Don't start questioning. Don't be like Moses. I, I'm no good at talking. I can't. I, what am I going to say? Just go do it. He's going to make a way out of no way, right? So don't worry about how you can do it. He doesn't expect you to do it. He just expects you to do what he asked you to do. Are there, are there any veterans here today? I know we got some veterans in the house. The church is like the military. The church is like the military. Everybody that enters the service not going to be a general. Everybody's not going to be the admiral. Not even going to be a sergeant or even a corporal. But there's work for everybody to do. Everybody in the service has a job. You might not be the leader, but you can be a great follower. Some people have to dig ditches. Some people have to build fortifications. Some people have to stand guard. Some people have to do the communication. The success of the church depends upon fidelity, which is hard work and dedication, of every one of God's soldiers. 
One person can't do it. If you uh, like to watch sports, there's a lot of really good sports players out there, right? A lot of really good individuals, but individuals don't win championships. It takes a team effort every time. You got individuals who do great things by themselves. They might be good at this, good at that, but they're not going to win a championship until they're on a great team. That's what the church is, a team. And one of us can't do it by themselves. Two of us can't do it by ourselves. But all of us working together, doing God's will, that is what's going to show the love of Christ to everyone in the community, to everyone online, to everyone that we come in contact with, is that unity. Did the Lord say the people are going to know you by the way you dress? No. Did he say they're going to know you by what you drive? Nope. He said, by this will all people know that you are my disciple if you have what? Love, Love one for another. But there is no sure way of weakening the church than backbiting, gossiping, envy, egotism, fault-finding, and just constantly dragging each other down. That's not what we're called to do. If I want somebody to drag me down and talk about me, I can just go out in the streets. Plenty of volunteers for that. When we come here, we're expecting encouragement. We're expecting uplifting. We're expecting a handshake and a pat on the back. We're not expecting to be knifed in the back. We're not expecting to be slapped in the face. This is a team. This is a team, and it's the unity of this church that exerts a conscious, positive, spiritual influence on all the people in the world. We have to be about our Father's business of spreading the gospel. And we can't be on fire for God if all we're doing is warming the church pews. It's a lot of spiritual work that still needs to be done in this time period of Laodicea. And eternal interests are at stake. We don't have time to fool around. You know, it was a time in history where public evangelism or reading the Bible would get you killed. That just don't make sense, does it? How can reading the Bible get you killed? How can worshiping in public get you killed? It has happened, it is happening now, and it's going to happen in the future. Because the Bible was written, or the Bible was written, but only the wealthy or the educated could read it. And in some cases, it was chained to the pulpit where only the priest could read it. And if they caught you reading it, you were going to be burned at the stake or have your head cut off or any other number of uh, ways of torture that they had because that was Satan's plan to keep the word of God from the people. Because if you hold the information and I don't, I can tell you anything. I can say anything to you I want, and you're going to have to believe it because you don't have that information. But God wanted everyone to read his Bible because it tells about Jesus Christ crucified. It lets us know that he's the only way to salvation. And the devil didn't want that to happen. 
And we're going to be praying for opportunities in the last days to reach out to others. But we have opportunity right now. Let's use the opportunity now to reach others for Christ. Pastor Richard Williams, he, he said that the church is in a zombaic state. <laughs> zombaic state. Yeah, I know people see these movies about the zombies. And, as, you know, the zombies, they can't walk. They can't talk. They just stumble around. That's how the church is. Not walking, not getting out, not talking to people, just stumbling around over themselves. Many Christians only use their energy and effort, jump up, run off to work, rush to work, get to work to be with people they don't like, spend their time there, rush back home, eat something, watch some TV, jump in bed so they can start all over again the next day. Never mention about God's love. Never mention about God's salvation. Never mention about evangelism or fellowship. Everybody's just consumed with the rat race. But I got news for you. The rat race is over and the rats won. So there's no more need for you to be involved in the rat race of trying to gain material goods, trying to get to the highest point without Christ. Now, if the Lord blesses you with that, fine. But keep God in your heart, keep God in your mouth, and let people know about it. We're so focused on our own personal struggles. Oh, I'm, I'm catching it, man. The devil is busy. But isn't God busy? You so worried about your problems, you forgot about God? Too focused about the political scene. Too worried about the economy. Too busy taking selfies. Too busy partying and running around. We have to be careful not to take God out of our lives. That's the whole problem with Laodicea, worried about itself and not concerned about God. And many things that happen to us, they happen to everybody else. You're not the only one that happened to. And it's not what happens to us, it's how we respond to it. If you truly keep God in your mind, whatever happens to you, you know he allowed it to happen for a reason. If we can just remember that God is in control of everything, he's promised you just the good things of life, whatever happens to you is a good thing. So if your car gets a flat, it's a blessing. If you can't, uh, eat a big lunch today, it's a blessing. If your um, house has a problem, your lights are out, somewhere there's a blessing. But we don't necessarily look for that. All we do is look at the problem, and we forget to look at God who can solve them. The Bible says, my God shall supply how many of your needs? All your needs in Christ Jesus. So stop worrying and let God back into your thoughts. When a problem hits, start thinking, God. Issues hit, God. Something don't go the way you want, God. Think of God first and remember that he wishes above all things that you prosper and be in health. Anything that happens to you, you might not see it right now, but there's a reason for it. Nobody likes to be sick. Nobody likes to be ill. 
But for some reason, God allowed that to happen. And you might not ever find out why until you get to heaven. God might not reveal that to you here on earth. But when you get to heaven, you can ask him. You can say, Lord, why me? And he might answer back, why not you? Many things that we go through are testimonies to the people around us. People are looking at you. They see, oh, man, he's going through this. I'm going to see how he's going to act. Oh, man, she had this happen to her. I want to see what she's going to say. And a lot of people, unfortunately, are looking for you to start cussing and give up on God. And if you do, they're going to say, see, I knew it. I knew that Christianity wasn't nothing. There ain't no power in that Christianity stuff. But when they see you suffering and still have a smile on your face and still praising God, that's a testimony. And they can use that to say, wow, if God blessed them, maybe he can do something for my situation. And that's where you are as a witness for God. We have to get to the point where whatever happens to us, we say, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. What is God asking from the church of Laodicea? He says in Colossians 2, 6, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. That's what he's asking. Rooted and built up in him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. With what? Thankfulness. thankfulness. Be ye thankful. Romans 13, 14 says, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't think about how to gratify the desires of your flesh. Don't think about how to desire, uh, gratify your sinful desires. John 4, 24 says, God is a spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. Not only in your mind. A lot of people believe in God, but they don't follow him. He wants us to believe in him and follow him in spirit and in truth, because the time will come where that will be the deciding factor of salvation and eternity. Even the devil believes in God, right? Do you think he's going to be saved? No, because he doesn't follow God. So it's spirit, belief, truth, follow in action. It takes two. God wants a true relationship with us. If you have a relationship, how many people is a minimum for a relationship? Two, because you got to relate to somebody. That's the whole point. You're relating to somebody. God wants to relate to us, but he also wants us to relate back to him. Is it a good relationship if you're the only one relating? It's not a relationship, in fact. So when God is doing all these things for us, what are we doing for God? Do we talk to God every day? It takes talk and communication to have a relationship. Do we visit with God every day? What kind of relationship is it when you never visit with the person? Do we discuss things with God every day? What kind of relationship is it where you don't even discuss things with people? If all you do is listen to what I say, that's not a relationship. But the Lord says, come, let us reason together. He wants us to communicate with him. He wants a relationship with us. He wants us to reign forever and ever in his kingdom with him. 
but we'll never do it if we stay in the Laodicean Zombaic state. Jesus said, behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. So he's telling us two things. He's coming fast before we even know it. And he also says his reward is with him. So there's no second chance. He already has his reward when he shows up. There's no extra credit. There's no thousand years of getting it right. It's done. So the last days of earth histories are up on us right now. And I know everybody says, all them Christians, they've been talking about Jesus coming since the Garden of Eden. That is very true. That is very true. But now that means he's even closer now than he was then. So that the time is about over. The harvest is ready, but the laborers are few. Because the laborers are Laodiceans. God has always been Emmanuel. What does that mean? God with us. God has always been with us, but we haven't always been with God. We haven't always listened to God. We have not always followed God. We just want the blessings without having to do anything for them. And if somebody's always asking you for something but not giving, don't that make you mad? It's like, I'm not your slave. I don't exist just for you. But that's how we treat God sometimes. Just gimme, 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 gimme. The harvest is ready, but the laborers are few. Genesis 1.1 lets us know that God has always been with us because it says, in the beginning, God. And in Revelation 22.21, the last verse of the Bible, God is with us. It says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. God has never left us. Why have we left him? Why have we become Laodicean? Why have we allowed society to keep us from doing God's will? And what is it about Laodicea that keeps us from coming back to God? Hebrew 10.25 reminds us not to forsake the assembling of yourselves, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much more as we see the day approaching. The faith of many Christians is going to fade and waver and become zombaic if they, for, if they neglect to meet together for fellowship and prayer. It's just how it is. If you are sick, stay home. If you truly can't make it, stay home. If you have a valid reason and not just an excuse, then stay home. But God is not going to work a miracle to keep your faith. God's not going to work a miracle to keep you in touch with him. We have a little bit of work to do. We're required to love God's truth enough to make some kind of an effort to secure those privileges and blessings he has for us. The effort that is needed is Bible study, prayer, witnessing, and fellowship. And God's going to remember those who met in his name. So we can't afford to just be out there by ourselves, staying at home just because we don't feel like getting up. And again, with technology now, it's so easy to just lay in bed in your pajamas, eat you a bowl of Cap'n Crunch, and call yourself worshiping. 
it is something special to come together, to fellowship with each other, to see each other's smiling face, to talk about the love of God, and to give a testimony of how, God, how good God has been to you this week. And again, if you truly can't make it, fine. And many people just have a, a serious phobia about groups of people. And with the pandemic, can you blame them? I didn't want to come to church and die. A lot of people are still afraid. So don't hold it against them. But if you can make it to church, to fellowship, do it because it's for your benefit. It's not for God's benefit. It's for your benefit. Come together. Praise God. Witness. Give testimonies. The final warning messages given to the church of Laodicea are Revelation 14, 6 through 12, called the three angels' messages. These verses remind us to worship the true creator of heaven and earth and all the other worlds and galaxies out there, and not to commit blasphemy by giving God's glory to anyone or anything else, such as these false man-made theories of creation by evolution, creation by the Big Bang, or creation by false gods. We have to wake up, folks. We have to wake up because time is getting near. The second angel says Babylon is fallen. Come out of her, my people. So Babylon is a false church system. Babylon is going to be destroyed for perpetuating lies and falsehoods and man-made salvation. Babylon has made the commandment of God of none effect by traditions of salvation by works, by worshiping a man in the place of God, by paying your way into heaven through idol worship, through immortality of the soul, and through superstition. And God is calling us out of that. Don't believe those lies. God is looking just for simple men, women, boys, and girls who love his truth and who want to extend that truth to those who don't know. He's looking for soldiers. He's looking for willing workers. All you got to do is be willing. He'll take care of it. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, for the night cometh when no man can work. Now is our opportunity to get out of Laodicea, to come back and to do God's will. Right now, we're free to just come in this church all we want, right? You are free to go out and hand out literature to people. You are free to talk to people about God. You are free even in some places to have a Bible study at your work. But it's not always going to be like that. And when the time gets tough to where laws are passed that you can't do those things, then people say, when persecution starts, I'm a really witness. When persecution starts happening, I'm going to be on fire for God. No, you're not. No, you're not. When they start torturing people, that's when you're going to get out there. You better have your work done. You better get it done now while it's easy. You can go outside and talk to anybody about the goodness of God. But it's not always going to be that way. And we can't wait until that happens to try and jump up and do it. Now is the appointed time. Now is the day of salvation. We need to be about the Lord's business. The third angel followed them and said, If any man worship the beast in his image, shall drink the wine of the wrath of God poured out without mixture 
into the cup of his indignation. Lord, what do you want me to do? When the Spirit of God works within us, we are led to do God's will and his good pleasure. That's what God wants us to do. There's obedience in your heart and your mind for doing what God asks you to do. We ought to obey God, not man. When there's a conflict between what the laws of the land say and what God's holy word says, we got to be on God's side. The last test of this world's history is going to be a test of loyalty. Whose side are you on? Who are you with? Are you going to be on God's side? Or are you going to be on the devil's side? Are you going to receive the seal of God or the mark of the beast? Our thoughts and actions let others know whose side we're on. We, are determ we, de we have to determine who we're going to spend eternity with. Stay loyal to God, though the heavens fall. And it's not going to be easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it, right? It's not going to be easy. I'm just trying to tell you what God is saying. And he wants us to wake up and realize the time is about over. The time is about over for this earth's history. And Jesus is really coming. And people look at that as a fable. Oh, they're just making it up, you know, like a Harry Potter movie or something. It's just a fable, that's all. No, it is not. God said it. That settles it. You can believe it or not. It's going to happen. So now our question is, God is mentioning waking us up out of Laodicea, this time period where people are just taking it easy, chilling, kicking back, and time is passing us by to be witnesses for God. How do I know if I'm a member of the church of Laodicea? How would I know? Well, I can give you a good idea. I, I want to read this poem written by my favorite poet. And this was written decades ago, so don't, don't think she got uh, her eye on you specifically. This is decades ago, so if you feel something, it's the Holy Spirit. So this poem is called Laodicea. And it's by Lakita Carroll. And it says, The gospel has reached the world near and far, but there are many who know not the bright morning star. These people, some have never been within a church, and yet some each Sabbath on the pews are perched. This church that grieves the heart of our Savior Jesus Christ is the church of Laodicea where everything has a price. They don't witness like that great church of old. Because the gospel truth, they don't remember being told. The reason their memory has failed them so past is because they've been sleeping on those pews in the past. But that's not all Laodicea has been doing. Holding back on ties and the preacher they've been booing. Chatting, talking, scattering members and lying. Forgetting church duties and basically backsliding. Take a close look at this modern day church and see if your reflection on these pews is perched. Take a close look at this modern day church and see if your reflection on these pews is perched. Truly, God has great things for his church, but we have to wake up, church family. This is the age of Laodicea 
And we're being called out to become faithful witnesses for God. We're being called to wake up and to get on fire for the Lord. This is our opportunity to reach out to those who don't know about God, to reach those who have never heard of Christ. There are still people today who don't know about Jesus. Just because you do doesn't mean everybody does. But it's our privilege, it's our duty to do what we can to reach those folks. It might be a Bible study that you can give. It might be handing out literature that you can give. It might be inviting someone to church. That's what you can do. It might be using your talent and skills and abilities that God has given you to glorify his name. In a month or so, I'm hoping it's next month, might be July, we're going to have our uh, discipleship test, uh, our, I'm sorry, our, our spirit of prophecy gifts test, the gift inventory. And I want everyone here to take this spirit, spirit of prophecy gift inventory and it's going to tell you where your talents are. It's going to tell you the gifts that God has given you. And then we're going to point you to where you can use them in God's church. And these gifts can be a blessing to everyone that you come in contact with. You might be in a department working now. Maybe that's not where your talent is. And it's still a blessing, but you can do so much more when you are where God wants you to be. So be ready to take that spiritual gift inventory uh, questionnaire and then be ready to wake up out of Laodicea and be active and involved in God's church. The time is short. Time is over. All we're doing now is waiting on Jesus to come. And he says the last movements are going to be rapid. So you won't have time to look and say, I'm waiting for this to happen and then I'm going to do this. Oh, I'm waiting to see this happen, and then I'm going to do it. It's not going to be like that. It's going to be all of a sudden, here comes Jesus. And the question is going to be for all of us, am I going to be saved in God's kingdom? I want to pray now that we do what God asks us to do, that we stand where God wants us to stand, that we hear God when he speaks to us, and that we believe and trust and depend on him to save us because we can't save ourselves. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this privilege you've given us. We thank you so much for the warning that you've given us to wake up out of Laodicea, Lord, and get busy doing your will. Lord, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are weak. We ask and pray, Lord, that you will give us the motivation, give us the energy, give us the mindset, dear Lord, to do your will, to study your word, to pray for your Holy Spirit's presence in our lives, and to use the talents and skills and abilities that you've given us to lead someone else to Christ, to touch those who have never heard of your, your name, to point out to others that only through Jesus Christ can anyone be saved. Lord, help us to recognize that time is short and that we need to be saved and that we need to bring others with us. There will be no starless crowns in heaven, Lord, 
Bless us that we may win souls for your kingdom. Bless us, dear Lord, that we may glorify your holy name. Bless us, dear Lord, that we can do what we can to tell somebody about the salvation of Jesus Christ and that his soon return. Bless each one of us, dear Lord. We ask and pray for your Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. Help us to help others. Help us to be willing workers, soldiers on the battlefield for Christ. And I ask now if there is anyone today who has not given their life to Christ, if you would just raise your hand and say, Jesus, I want to be saved in your kingdom. If you have not accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, just let him know that you want him to be your Lord and Savior. Raise your hand and let him know you accept him and that you want to depend on him and that you wish to give your life to him today. If there is anyone like that, just do so now. And also those of us who have accepted Christ, if you want to have a closer walk with him, I ask that you will raise your hand and let the Lord know that you are asking for his Holy Spirit to come into your life, to bless you, to live through you, and to be a witness in whatever you may do. God sees your hands. He knows your heart. And he wishes above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Thank you, dear Father, for your Holy Spirit's presence. Thank you for this word of warning and this word of encouragement. Bless us, dear Lord, according to your grace and mercy. In the blessed name of Jesus, let everyone say amen and amen. Amen. I want to thank Elder Carol for that powerful message. Glad to see a sobering message. Amen. Amen. It's time for us to wake up out of our sleep. Amen. 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 Happy to see the Randalls here. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let us stand for our benediction. Just want to remind you, I want you to be here next week. Amen. Amen. Father God, we're so thankful for this sobering message lord we're so thankful that you didn't leave us helpless or hopeless lord but you gave us the prescription saying i counsel thee to buy me gold tried in the fire give us the eye salve that we may see satan's uh, uh uh temptations lord and put on us the robe of righteousness that we may be saved now unto him that's able to keep us from falling and to present yeah. us faultless before your majesty Glory and power, both now and forevermore. And the people said together, amen, amen. and amen. amen. You may be amen. seated for a amen. moment of meditation as they usher us out. We sing the praises. We sing the praises to our king, for he is the king of kings. We sing the praises to our king, for he is the king of kings. We sing the praises to our king, for he is the king of kings. We sing the praises to our king, for he is the king of kings. We sing the praises to our king, for he is the king of kings. Give him glory, for he's the king of kings. Give him glory. For he's the king of kings, give him glory. For he's the king of kings, give him glory.